Reed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Thursday morning, Birds fans. The countdown is definitely on. We are into single-digit days before the first Philadelphia Eagles game of the 2023 season. We're here to talk a little bit more about the roster building that took some turns yesterday with the addition of practice squad guys. And Johnny Mack can attribute to some of them directly because he saw them out there practicing. The Eagles yesterday, yeah, yeah. pretty much official. No, the guy's not a practice squad if he's out practicing with the Eagles on a given day. Uh, J Mac, at least 13 of the 16 roster spots for the practice squad have been filled. The report out there that another will be filled by a player the Eagles will bring in from another organization. When I was going through the list, no great surprises. Any for you? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, if you talk about the people that went elsewhere, um, I, I talked about Kayvon Wallace a lot. He got claimed by, uh, Arizona and Jonathan Gannon. So, um, and, and I don't think he would have been back anyway, if he wasn't claimed because I, I had heard he had some significant interest and probably wanted a, a fresh start, uh, elsewhere. Tyree Jackson, I, I don't know. He got you know, he signed with the Giants practice squad. Um, the Eagles uh, did sign Brady Russell, brought him back to the practice squad. I, I could have seen them uh, offering a spot for, for Tyree again on the practice squad, but that's another one where I said beforehand, I said, that's probably a guy who needs a change of scenery, probably. And I, and I don't know if that's how he framed it, how he saw it, but uh, I think that makes sense for him to try to, get that restart reboot whatever you want to call it uh somewhere else and and josh shields got claimed by indianapolis and shane steichen because they know him um and that's a guy i think that would have been back on the practice squad had he not been claimed um i don't think there's any question about that so that's the one guy um and 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 they brought back julian good jones and they brought back brett uh, uh toth um, you know, could did one of them 
was one of them behind Sills? Probably. Uh, one of them probably wouldn't have been back. Um, but I think it's good they were able to get Toth back because of his versatility. And uh, Julian Good-Jones can play a little bit of center. So he's got some versatility as well. Um, so no earth-shattering surprises. Um, you know, they got 13 guys back and 24 waiver claims, Jody. So for all the hysterics, all the 24 waiver claims across the NFL, 11 teams uh, claim players. Arizona claimed six. So if you take them out of the mix, that's 18 and, 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 and 10 teams. It is so overrated. And I guarantee you, Jody, we'll be here next year, hopefully, God willing. Um, people are going to do the same thing. It's like they forget every year. It's they not can't, that can't expose him. You know he's going to get grabbed. You, you Eagles yeah. have to take him on a fifty-three. You can't expose him. He's going to be claimed. Twenty-four. They, at least players. they got. At least they did get two guys claimed. And here's the other thing: got to remember for next year, three hundred sixty-five days from now. Jonathan Gannon and uh, Shane Steichen won't be first-year coaches in their new place that are looking to pilfer yeah, guys yeah. that they're familiar with with the Eagles because that's who the Eagles lost their two players to, two former coaches yeah. who said, well, yeah, I just coached this guy. He's pretty damn good. Let's go. He's better than what we got. That won't even be the case next year unless, of course, you think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl and lose one or two or more of their coordinators which again next possible. year, which is yeah, not Brian. impossible. Yeah, Brian Johnson could be a one-and-done guy, especially if the Eagles continue to be successful, um, him especially. Um, nothing against Sean Desai, but he, he probably will need to prove it a, a little bit longer, but we shall see. And it's harder for defensive guys overall than offensive guys. So, uh, But obviously the strength of the Eagles is on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just – you know, my whole thought process, and again, nobody will ever be able to prove it because the, the big discussion was the three defensive backs. And my, my overall prediction was they're going to have all three back. It's just a matter of how they do it and who's on the roster and who's on the practice squad. Now, you never know. I mean, uh, I brought up Josh Blackwell last year. If you would have, he, he was getting claimed, I would have laughed at you. So, I mean, you never know what these organizations are thinking. Um, so it, it, everything's a calculated gamble, but ultimately, and, and the three players I'm talking about are Eli Ricks, uh, Mario Goodrich and, and Makai Gardner, and they got all three. They kept all three. It's just a matter of how you manipulate and how is it, how he was able to keep all three. So at the end of the day, it's successful. Understood, but if uh, you still have doubts about whether Rick should have been the guy or Garner should have been the guy and who earned it, well, the Eagles still on the roster can decide that as they go. And And that that was my ultimate, yeah, doesn't matter. Ultimately, doesn't matter. And now they have all three, and it'll, it'll raise and it'll eventually work itself out in the end. It matters to Eli Rick because he's getting compensated more for being on the regular roster than Carter well, is. I, I'm not practice. talking about from a personal level. I'm talking about from a fan level. They have, you know, it, it's conceivable, as I said, it's conceivable because of special teams we talked about. On, on week one in, in New England, it's conceivable that Ricks and Goodrich aren't active and, and Gardner is. 
uh, simply because of special teams. Yeah, I would um, I would doubt that because the two guys, if everybody's going to be elevated, and you could only elevate two practice squad guys we on any given day, is the punter and the punt returner. So I don't think Mr. Garner's going to be making it for special teams because you can only elevate two. And you no, can but, only uh, but it's punts. not done. You know, there's a lot of speculation, and I know fans are hoping. Again, it not it, it's not done until Tuesday. I would say Tuesday before the Wednesday practice of next week. There's a lot of talk the Eagles are going to look at punters and potentially sign a punter, and if that comes to fruition. So there's a lot of, 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 of dominoes still the ball. Obviously, if they don't sign an outside punter, yeah, then they got to elevate Aaron Sipas. They could also say, you know, we – Alameda could do it for a week. Justin Evans can do it for a week. There's a lot of ways they can go. Uh, I'm just throwing out possibilities. But ultimately, and Howie was very clear on this, it's not 53, it's 69. He said it a couple times. And and the Eagles believe that. And, then, and they decided to keep a group that they thought had you know there's as i said yesterday there's no question that they thought ricks was more susceptible to be claimed than and even goodrich than gardner and that's why they did what they did uh but ultimately they got all three back which i thought would happen right but are, do you think that they would if they had to make a choice between elevating a punt returner and elevating a coverage guy like Garner, you think they choose uh, uh, a coverage guy over an actual punt returner? You think they? No, not right up? now, not right now. But I'm saying if they sign a punter, right, that takes punter off the equation. Then he could elevate a punt returner and uh, and a coverage player. Um, so there's still, if you ask me, right now they have to elevate a punter. Have to. They don't have a punter. So that's a hundred percent. But if they sign Braden Mann or, or somebody like that, well, no, I mean, that's how, then they're not going to elevate a punter and then it changes things. As far as punt returner, I think there's at least a chance that they let Alameda do it or even Justin Evans, lesser for Justin Evans. Cause I think he's going to have a big impact on defense, but I think there's at least a chance they let Alameda do it. Um, and and when I asked Howie about special teams, he said, we're going to make sure Michael Clay is comfortable. Well, if he's telling the truth, and he might not be telling the truth, if he's telling the truth, then he's going to elevate somebody on game day. I don't know who that is. It might be Van Sumeren. But he's going to elevate somebody um, to make Michael Clay more comfortable. Now, if he's just talking out, the left side, I, I always say, you know what I say, Jody, nobody's under oath in these press conferences. Right. Um, you know, he might be just blowing smoke up the you know what, but if he's telling the truth, he's got to elevate somebody to help Michael play feel comfortable. All right. Uh, first tricky question roster wise for the year, since you're suggesting there's a chance, not saying it's happening, you're just saying there's a chance that the Eagles are going to get another punter. And if they do so, they will be putting him on the 53, not signing a punter to the practice squad and then decide, do we keep that? Well, they could put him on the practice squad they and could, just yeah, cut they could do that too. 
They could do that too. They could sign Braden Mann to the practice squad, cut Sipas. There's there's a lot of things they can still do. It's not going to be, but when they get to Wednesday of next week, it's going to be you're going to know you know what the fifty three is and what, you know, what they're going to. You're not going to know a hundred percent, but you're going to get a good feeling on who they have to elevate. Obviously, if they don't have a punter on the roster, they have to elevate a punter. Right. They got to either sign him to the roster or have him on the practice squad. And then after three elevations, you got to make a call anyway. Uh, who of the men on the 53-man roster, I guess this is the way I should ask the question, who's number 53? Who is the most likely guy if they they want a Braden man? And he says, well, I got other teams that I'm talking to that are going to sign me straight to the Raza. Why would I go to the Eagles practice? Why when I can be the punter in another town? I'd prefer the Eagles, but if you're just offering a practice squad, I'll see you in week whatever if the Eagles play that team this year. Um, who's the guy most likely to get cut if they need to add someone from outside the organization? Well, I think the 53rd guy on the roster, and I don't think he's the 53rd player from a performance standpoint, but I think the 53rd guy on the roster is Grant Calcaterra because I don't think you need four tight ends. Um, yeah, but you only so got it, four wide receivers. Yeah, I know. And I was told to watch um, a wide receiver on the waiver wire for the Eagles. The Eagles weren't awarded any claims. But I can say definitively – that they did not claim a wide receiver. And the reason I can say that is there were no wide receivers claimed. None. So zero wide receivers claimed out of the 24, zero wide receivers. And let me double check that. But I, I, I meant, uh, I meant to, to make a note of it. And I, I recall scanning it and didn't see a receiver. I'm not remembering a wide receiver off the top of my head. So um, I'm going down it right now as we speak. Uh, There's only 24, so it shouldn't take long. No, zero, zero wide receivers. Um, So definitively they did not claim a receiver. Now they brought back Devin Allen. They brought back Britton Covey. They brought back Greg Ward. Um, and Nada, and Joseph Nada. Um, so they do so have four, four wide there. receivers, a lot of bodies on the practice squad. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, if if any of those guys had to play, you're probably not in a good position. Um, at from receiver, I think Britton's fine as a as a punt returner, but as a receiver, if you have to play any of those four, I think Greg Ward would be the best option. Um, and we know Greg Ward. We know what he can do and what, what he can't do. Right. But uh, my question to you is, because they are a little short at wide receiver and on game day, they're not going to elevate anybody on game day. Uh, so they're going to have to make a decision if they're going to add a wide receiver. Somebody's, uh, they got the elevations, again, only two per week and only three. And then you got to add a guy to the roster. I, I would think Contavious Street has got to be more sitting on on – eggshells than than grant calcaterra because if contavious street is like oh so what they're down to six defensive tackles yeah. which is probably well, that's more than one you need. that's that's not a bad thought as well because hey i'm i'm the first to say you know i i get their thought process of wanting to keep the best players especially with the changes with the practice squad allowing veterans on the practice squad 
the more liberal IR rules. But I mean, how deep do you have to be? I mean, at some point, I, I mean, what what has to go wrong for a Contavious Street to play a lot? Um, so ultimately, while he's a good player, he's an NFL player. He's here for one year. He signed for. I, I mean, what is what is the point? Uh, other than, I guess, sleeping a little bit more soundly at night. Now, who knows? They might move a Jomo to injured reserve. That you know, they could still do that kind of stuff. Uh, but he was back at practice, so I think it's going to be more difficult um, to do it now because, again, it's a little bit, you know, you, you have to have documentation. I always say back in the old days, you just say, oh, so-and-so sprained an ankle. We're going to put him on injured reserve and stash him like George Allen. You can't do that now. You have to have documentation. So that ship may have sailed, but, hey, we always see these, don't be surprised if somebody sprains an ankle in practice, Jody. Um, you know, and because it's only four games. Um, so you, you have that avenue as well. Um, but yeah, Contavious could be the guy because uh, they're not going to cut Moro Jomo uh, because of the ceiling and they have them obviously under team control for four years. Um, and Contavious Street as I said, as a one-year guy. And one other guy who I was a little surprised with, I thought he was going to be on the practice squad. As we said, it's going to be all eager guys that were cut that come back, except for the cornerback uh, that Tim McManus was reporting from, uh, who was it, Denver, that they picked up? Uh, uh, shoot, uh, I Chargers, I think. Chargers, I right. Name. I knew it was yeah. somebody in the AFC West. Uh, but that that has not been made official yet, right? No, not been made official. Probably will be today, but not definitively. But uh, yeah, I, um, but yeah, expect that. Uh, so that'll be 14th, and they still have two more open spots, right. which is smart um, to give themselves some flexibility. That so that that I think that's the way to play it. The Eagles have played that well. I I thought for sure. Now, as far as I know, he hasn't signed with any practice squad. I'm sure his agent is talking to other teams. I thought Nicholas Morrow was coming back with only three linebackers. The fact that they signed him with no bonus money whatsoever kind of tips the hand that the rest of the league isn't as high as Nicholas Morrow. Wasn't like he had an unbelievable preseason, put something on tape, and uh, the team was, well, we got to get him. Kind of like the Eagles picking up Albert O. Damn, got 100 yards in a preseason game. Let's go out and get that guy. Nicholas Morrow didn't do that with his preseason here in Philadelphia. They didn't bring him back. They're still woefully short at the linebacker position as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You think yeah. That, that's still a possibility, John, that uh, they will talk to him and fill one of those two openings still with another linebacker? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, I think. And I, I think I mentioned it yesterday on the show. Nick's the kind of guy who's probably going to wait a little bit and look around and, and see if there's another, maybe a better opportunity out there and, Maybe you circle back, and he is back eventually. Um, you say something that that happened with Anthony Harris, if you remember. Um, you know when he got cut after the oh, Eagles how traded. Long did he wait? When did the Eagles resign him? Like, well, when, he was he was hmm? back and forth. Uh, he agreed, waited a couple days, and agreed to come back to the practice squad. But then Denver stepped in. And signed him. Mean, he had a relationship with uh, George uh, Payton from Minnesota, and he went there. 
and then he came back. So he was he was back and forth all year. Um, but um he was a guy who was, yeah, I mean, he was gonna be a starter on August 29th, and all of a sudden he's off the roster and he's like, All right, I'll come back. And then you got, you know, George Patton came in and he went elsewhere and ultimately came back, as I said. So I think a similar thing's going on with Nicholas Morrow. You wait and see. You still have a little bit of time. As I said, Tuesday of next week is the big day. You want to have everything settled by then so everybody's in line for your plan for New England on Wednesday for practice. Uh, So there's still some time, and you're going to see some moves around the league uh, and obviously here because the Eagles have those three spots and we know one of them. Um, but um, yeah, still some time. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Nicholas Morrow does not return to from whence he came that the uh, Chicago bears spent enough money on linebackers already that uh, oh, yeah, he's not there. going back to Chicago, he, not, not going back to the windy city. Just uh, thought, all right, he's McMullen. Uh, we got to keep the segment going because uh, uh, tones uh, internet dropped. So uh, we can't go to the break. So, oh. um, and we can't bring up John Stolness. We're hampered. This is one of the things with Streamyard, Jody. We can't do things on our own. And we have to rely on a producer. So hopefully, and John, I see you there. Hopefully, I wish we could bring you up. John's um, waving to us. Let's wave back. Yeah. Uh, I think I can add him to the stream. Be John yeah, Stolis, all right. Hey, there we go. Yeah, I did it myself. So there you go. John, John Stolness. We'll, 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 we'll issue the break, Jody, and bring John Stolness right in. Good to see you, John. Good to see uh, you guys, too. Yeah. Well, we can I see guess a, what? We can see a quarter of John. Are you getting the same? This. <laughs> good effort stole this i'm working I on it here i'll have, fix the camera there we go yeah i did yeah. have i did Boy. have uh i did have a whole john but now yeah now i'm only having a quarter yeah. john let's see right. let's see why why i feel like the i feel like the guy from home improvement you know where you could just look over the over the uh the um fence of uh, the backyard yeah yes. well, let me try to let me try to remove you john and and then add you back let's see if this works because i had you really before. working this i got no idea how to do that i'm surprised yeah. that you even know what you're doing mcmullen well i'm just adding him to the stream um but you know if it's not going to be a, a full picture um and tone's still working to get back so we're doing now nah, it's not going to be a full picture so nice. all right john do us a favor. Hold on. Hopefully, Tone will be back. Uh, I am technically not proficient enough to figure out what the hell is going on um, other than to add him to the stream, and he's not fully there. And we need a full John Stolness. I think. No. If we can get Stolness up in a quarter set, I... All right. If you, do you want him up in the quarter? Yeah. Uh, I'll, all right. And, let's and he is dexterous right. enough that he can move a little bit. I will and give us a quarter shot. That's perfect. Give you the quarter right. shot. One thing there. is, we got to hear what he's got to say. There. Now all he right. might not. He might not be as uh, ugly as you and I, McMullen. But uh, let's <laughs> let's be serious here. Nobody's turning. But uh, now, now that see, the problem is now we're cut off as well, and the and the the powers that be here are not going to like this for the. Yeah, but what do I care? What He's got to crouch I, down a little again, bit. Let, yeah, let me repeat myself. Down. 
Nobody is tuning in for the beefcake aspect of this show. They're <laughs> yeah. tuning in. Well, for maybe the they are for John. Knowledge. Don't say don't don't lump John no. John in with us. No. Uh, don't lump John in with us. All right, John. Uh, on, on this show, John is the tallest midget in the circus. We'll give him that <laughs> yeah. much credit. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. He's, yeah, towering yeah. over us. Yes, I uh, will certainly agree to that. Well, you didn't have to go accurate so quickly, John. But I'll I'll, I'll let that pass. <laughs> we'll we'll start we'll start we'll stop with the shtick and we'll go with uh, well the roster obviously your yeah. your immediate impressions any surprises anything stand out to you they went woof they went deep on the defensive fronts. Yeah, I mean, you look at how many defensive linemen they kept. I mean, it's pretty clear that they really value how they're able to cycle guys in and out and that they expect that to be a major part of what they do defensively. They just keep running waves and waves of pass rushers at people and that could work again. I mean, they they are they are so talented. It's I was wondering as I was putting together like a, a story for Bleeding Green Nation a couple of weeks ago, I was wondering ranking the different Eagles positional groups. And I really wrestled with offensive line over defensive line or defensive line over offensive line. And I think, I think the I think it's the defensive line is, is their top positional group right now over the offensive line. And that's, I agree. Yeah. That, and that's saying something considering the Eagles offensive line might be the first or second best offensive line in football. So um, they just, they have really built this team to excel in the trenches to, to out muscle and out athleticize I just made up a word, any other team that they're going to be coming up against during the course of the season. And so that was a, that's a big takeaway that, and especially at the defensive tackle position, how deep they are at defensive tackle. And they have, they have guys who can do different things, which is, which is, which is yeah. pretty neat. And I think one of the interesting things is what they've done at wide receiver. Like they are very thin at wide receiver. I know, like you guys mentioned just before I hopped on, they did bring a few guys back to the practice squad, but none of those guys are really like if, if Devonte Smith goes down or AJ Brown goes down, there's no replacing either one of those guys no. anyway, but you really would like something better than Greg Ward or Britain, you know, Cubby or, uh, you know, Devin Allen's not going to make, you know, run any routes this year or anything like that. So there's really nobody out there that you can see that you could go grab right now to be like your number number five, but somebody you'd slot in there to run routes as the X or the Y. Uh, Jalen Rager's so, out there, John. Well, good point. You're right. <laughs> my my point remains. Uh, there's really no, nobody out there that you'd want to go get. So, but I mean, overall, the roster, you just look at the names and you read it down. And while there are some interesting decisions made in some of these different position groups, this is a phenomenal roster. This is one of the most talented rosters we've we've ever seen. And I wasn't so sure after the Super Bowl last year that they were going to be able to put together a roster as good as the 22 roster. I'm not sure this is as good as the 22 roster, but it looks to be as good right now. It's a little different, but it could yeah. end up being better. I do agree with you on that. But on that best grouping on maybe the most talented roster, what's Derek Barnett's role with the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, that's a good question. I think he is a candidate maybe to get traded by the trade deadline, especially if he can get on the field at all. But I think he's I think he's a depth piece right now. I think if somebody gets hurt, like if Derek Barnett gets hurt, um, you know, heaven forbid Hassan Reddick's thumb, you know, gives him some gives him is a setback or or whatever. Um well, good sign. Yeah. Nolan Smith had missed five consecutive yeah. practices, but he was back at practice. So that's a good sign. And that makes, you know, 
Derek less important if Nolan Smith is able to play. Mm -hmm. um, it is a nice insurance policy. But, yeah, I kind of talked about and Jody brought it up with Kentavia Street as well, a defensive tackle, John. Like, what? Kentavia's uh, a good player. He's an NFL player. He belongs on an NFL roster. But at what point, you know, what would have to go wrong for Kentavia Street to get on the field? Quite a bit. Um, so you look at some of these lighter positions, wide receiver, you mentioned linebacker, maybe even more so. It doesn't make sense to maybe keep a less talented linebacker than Contavia Street or, or maybe a fourth tight end in Grant Calcaterra or, you know, maybe a less talented wide receiver than, than those guys. Uh, you know, we're mm -hmm. nitpicking, which that tells you how good the Eagles are roster wise when you nitpick this kind of stuff but hey why not well and it sounds like they're stashing some guys on the practice squad that they can elevate in the first couple weeks of the season and then make a decision on after that so um there's the possibility you know like they're gonna have these three wide receivers that they went out and and re-signed to the practice squad guys that they like too they might bring up you know to be a fifth wide receiver on game day that sort of thing um but yeah it is interesting to I like the idea of of getting your best 53 and kind of going from there. And maybe with a guy like Kentavia Street, you know, if another team has a has an issue at defensive tackle with injuries or something like that, maybe you can get a sixth round pick for him or seventh round pick for him or something like that. I mean, maybe you stash these guys on your roster knowing you're deep enough that you can trade one of these guys. I mean, and that may not even be street. It might be somebody else, but you know, I mean, it's there's the Eagles are playing a couple of, um, of unproven guys in different positions. And so uh, there's a little bit of mitigation there. And I think that with linebacker, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's, you know, we don't really know what Sean Desai is going to do with his defense right now. But if you look at the depth chart, they've got, you know, Nolan Smith, you know, listed in among the linebackers, you know, maybe he plays some linebacker in some situations and that's how Derek Barnett gets onto the field. In, in different in different ways I, it's I, it'll be very interesting to see how they utilize all these pieces because you've got two new coordinators and we don't really know how they're going to utilize these different guys just yet i if uh the last time we had you on we talked about this which wouldn't surprise me i'll apologize in advance if this is somewhat repetitious but even that has changed since we would have last had you on the backup quarterback position um mm -hmm. marcus Mariota was not very good this spring and mm -hmm. into summer uh, they are right now committed to him as the backup. I thought, could Tanner McKee be the guy? Could he step in? Would they cut Marcus Mario? Marcus is here. They didn't make a play for any other quarterback. Like Cincinnati claimed Will Greer, uh, who the Cowboys cut when they added Trey Lance as a veteran guy who's been around. And since the Eagles now put a heavy emphasis on preseason results will greer through for 300 yards in mm -hmm. the cowboys last preseason game thought there was a possibility the eagles <laughs> might scoop him up didn't happen uh yeah. but it looks like right now marcus mariota is the backup and mckee's going to be third string what's that mariota leash look like if jalen hurts has a nagging injury and he gets hurt in the game but he, he comes back in but you know it's something that's going to last and you know that it could happen again you got to make a change how do you think the Eagles look at their backup quarterback situation today on August 31st? I can't imagine the leash is really long. Um, I think what they liked about Mariota was the fact that they would be able to run a lot of the same playbook with Mariota at under center that as they did with Jalen Hurts in terms of, you know, the, the, the run pass option uh, and Mariota's ability to run the football close to the goal line and all that. But 
it's not like he was a really good passer last year and struggled in the preseason. That would be one thing where you could say, okay, he showed last year that he can throw the football, but maybe he just had a bad preseason. He was terrible throwing the football last year in Atlanta. And so he comes here into Philadelphia. He doesn't look good during the summer in training camp. He doesn't look good in the preseason games. And so I don't think the leash is very long. Now, Tanner McKee as the backup quarterback makes me nervous as well because this is a Super Bowl roster. This is a team with Super Bowl expectations, not aspirations, expectations. They are, we're expecting them to get back to the Super Bowl and, and finish the job this next time around. And while it worked for the 49ers last year with Brock Purdy, I'm not so sure handing the keys over to a rookie six-round draft pick for a team with Super Bowl aspirations is the right answer either. So my thinking is Marcus Mariota enters the season as the backup quarterback, obviously, but if there's an issue with Mariota, there are other guys out there, some veterans who I think if you needed somebody for a game or two, or, you know, if that's what you want out of a backup quarterback, you need somebody who can win basically like two out of four games. If your quarterback goes down. So I would look at Matt Ryan. I would look at somebody like that. Not somebody I want starting 16, 17 games for me, but behind a dominant offensive line with a dominant run game and a dominant defense, I think Matt Ryan could be effective in a four or five game stretch with the talent the Eagles have <clears throat> put together on offense. And that's that would give me a little bit more peace of mind in terms of the backup quarterback should Jalen Hurts get hurt uh, rather than Mariota and Tanner McKee at this point. Yeah, I think there's kind of two different ways you have to look at backup quarterbacks. Like what we've seen the past couple of years with Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts, if you have to play one or two games, I think, all right, it's fine. Somebody else has got to go out and make a play. Somebody's got to elevate themselves. There's a lot of ways to win a football game. I think you persevere, even though the Eagles lost both games without Jalen Hurts last season, they persevered, obviously, and were able to recover and go to the Super Bowl. Um, the catastrophic is where I think you're right, John. I mean, if, if he gets hurt in week two and he's done for the season, and I know people don't want to even think about this, then I think you got to make the calls to Matt Ryan and with, um, Nick Sirianni, it'd probably more be to Philip Rivers. If Philip wants yeah. to keep going, because <laughs> you know, uh, uh, who, who was going to bring in, Oh, didn't Kyle Shannon say he was going to bring in Philip Rivers at some point? Um, if, if they had won the NFC championship game, I believe he said that I could be wrong. Um, or he's going to try. Um, but, uh, the catastrophic, yeah. Then you got to start making calls because well, here, here's a name. If you're under your scenario, Jalen hurts goes down in week two. Do you make a phone call to Tom Brady on a super bowl roster to, to take you through the regular season? Would, would he not maybe be interested in one last shot at a team that clearly is a Super Bowl roster, you'd feel a lot better with Tom Brady at quarterback. Well, yeah, I, 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 I would. That? But I, the only thing is he's now a, a minority I owner. I was going to say, where does his ownership status with the Raiders sit? I yeah. forgot about that, didn't, yeah. Didn't they he is, he is that? A minor, he, no, he is a minority. In fact, he was there uh, uh, at their preseason game. Given He was there with the quarterbacks, giving him a, a little mm – -hmm. You know, let's go out there and do it, boys. He is a minority owner. He would have to divest. I mean, yeah. he could divest himself and just stop and go back. But I, I think just because it's Nick Sirianni, I think the most likely scenario would be Philip Rivers because he loves the guy uh, beyond belief uh, for that reason only. But yeah, always Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's better than everybody. So um, if he wants to play um, and 
he wants to go through all that divesting stuff. But I think from an Eagles perspective, and by the way, I don't even know if they would do that. I'm saying I would do it. I'd make those calls to Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, whomever, uh, not Nick Bowles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think they would try to get through more with Marcus, and I don't think it would be good, but they're so talented. They might be able to win seven, eight games with Marcus Mariota. Am I overstating that? I, I think if yeah, this ta- this roster is so talented, you probably could get away with that. Now the schedule is much tougher than it was last year. Um, you know, if if you have Marcus Mariota starting, let's say fourteen games for you, can can he go? Can he win seven of those games? Um, I think so. Go five hundred probably, but you know, you're you're not probably not going very far in the playoffs under no. that scenario. No, that agreed. Agreed there. No question about it. All right. Staying with uh, the all-important fantasy-type players uh, that can score points for you, I need your updated take on the running back situation for the Birds as well. We still, it's amazing, <laughs> there are certain things about this Eagle thing, team that we don't know how they're going to deploy their safeties being a big one. But the running backs is almost as big. Uh, Johnny Mack, uh, almost on a daily basis, tells us, well, I can tell you what they're going to do in high leverage situations because that's what they practice. And it seems like Kenny Gainwell is the man there. But a whole bunch of the game is played between the 20s, from 20 to 20, probably more than all of the other high leverage put together. How do you think it's going to play itself out? Do you think it's still open-ended that mm. they are deciding running backs as they go? Or do you think they have a plan already in place and somebody would have to be brutally bad or unbelievably good to change that on the fly during the season as how they're going to use their backs. I think the one thing we can be certain of with the Eagles running backs is that against the New York Giants, Boston Scott will get Mm -hmm. about 80% of the carries and score four touchdowns. So outside of that, it's kind of a mystery, right? And I think we saw DeAndre Swift um, is probably going to be their primary uh, pass catching running back out of the backfield, but he's a game breaker too. Like he's, he's a lot, he's a guy who, you know, gets stuck for one yard, stuck for two yards, stuck for one yard. And then, throw a 25 yard run in the mix there. And I, you know, I think it's going to change from game to game. I really do. And I know that's kind of a, an unsatisfying fantasy answer <laughs> to have, cause you don't want to draft any of these Eagles running backs for your fantasy no. team. Uh, but I think it's going to be week to like, we saw with miles Sanders last year, he had a couple of weeks where he popped up and had huge numbers. And then there would be a few weeks where he's, kind of a forgotten man uh and that's just the way the eagles are with their running backs and sometimes it's game planning you know they just decide we're going to really throw the ball this week and then other times it's the hot hand who's running really well was kenny gainwell at the end of the season and in the playoffs last year i agree with you it seems as though i think they really like kenny i think he's probably in their minds their number one i think probably rashad penny would get the second most carries out of the backfield and be their number two um and i think deandre swift is going to be the guy who probably finishes the season with the most receptions and reception yards at running back uh but it's going to change from week to week and it's not going to be anything you can depend on and there's going to be a lot of weeks where jalen hurts out rushes all of them so uh it's it's just such a big mess and that's i think that's the way the eagles like it that's why i didn't think the jonathan taylor rumors were really anything to get worked up about because it seems as though the eagles really like having different guys using the hot hand having defenses not know which one of these guys to key in on and all all three of these guys have the ability to break big runs and do different things and so especially with this offensive line blocking for them i think it's really interesting i think it's really a a fun problem to have and i think it's going to be fascinating 
waiting week to week to see which one of these guys is the is the one that pops up. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on the Taylor stuff, it came out that they wanted Jalen Waddle from Miami yeah, and the right. Dolphins. Jalen Waddle plus. Not yeah. just with Jalen Waddle straight up. They want a Jalen Waddle plus. And so the Dolphins kind of snickered. And then Green Bay was the, the so-called mystery team. They probably mm. asked for Devontae Adams not knowing he <laughs> left. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, when are we going to get past the Eagles and running backs? Oh, we, we, we talk about <laughs> B. John Robinson, the draft. We talk about they're not They're not paying a running back the top of the line money. I, 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 it's same thing with the waiver wire, John. I said, we're, we're going to lose this guy in waivers. We're going to 24 guys got claimed. Yeah. And the only reason the Eagles lost two is because Jonathan Cannon <laughs> claimed Kayvon Wallace and Shane Steichen claimed Josh Sills. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, but every year, well, you got to keep this guy. You got to keep this guy. He's not going to get through waivers. Yes, he is going to get through waivers. Most likely 90%. Now, occasionally you have an outlier like Josh Blackwell, but nobody mm-hmm. cared. Because yep. the Eagles didn't want him back. Right. Um, so you never know a hundred percent. But with running backs, we might not know a hundred percent, but we should be at 99. <laughs> the Eagles aren't playing a, paying a running back 13 million dollars conservatively. And oh, by the way, even if they accept a second round pick, you got to give up a second round pick. Yeah. It's just absurd. But why do people keep talking about it? Is it fantasy football driven? Well, it's probably partly fantasy football driven, but I think in Philadelphia, we, you know, it's an old school town and we remember the, the, the franchise running back days. Remember Emmett Smith gashing, gashing us every single week. You know, we remember uh, the Ricky Waters days and we were, we remember, you know, and during the Buddy Ryan days and, and after that, it was hard to find a really good running back in a time when running the football with one running back was really, really important. And it's just, I think fans are slow to kind of come around to the idea that, you know, the running backs who pile up 1,800 yards, they get a lot of attention, but those teams don't necessarily win Super no. Bowls. They, they don't necessarily pile up regular season wins. We know that passing the football is how you win in this league, and so you're going to divert your resources to that. And the Eagles have done a tremendous job over these last few years, since Doug Peterson came, mixing up running backs, figuring, having, yeah. you need a good offensive coordinator and a good play caller to know who to use and when, but I think the Eagles have had that, and I think they'll have that again this year. So I, I think maybe there's just that level of uncertainty of 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 not knowing whether or not the Eagles will utilize these guys all the right way is maybe part of the apprehension. Whereas with you know, I think I think fans also just don't want to worry about stuff. And if you've got you know if you've got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, you don't have to worry about who's getting the ball, and you don't have to worry about how good he is. You know how good he is. You know he's going to get the ball. It's just something you can check off. And so it's yeah. but it is a disconnect. The Eagles had don't need that, especially with this offensive, especially line. with this quarterback too, and this quarterback, yeah, yeah. But um, I will say this. See, did you guys see what Chris Ballard said about Jonathan Taylor yesterday? Now, he said all the right things. Great player. We want him. We love him. But he also said, for all the people saying Jonathan Taylor, we won four games last year. He said that, which <laughs> I, I don't think is a good thing to do as a GM with a good player. But, I mean, yeah. he was like, we stink. We stink with the great running back. He basically said it. Right, but he had he had to say that because – the only other answer was go talk to Mr. Ursay. This is these decisions are being made over my head. Uh, so he, That's true too. he had to fudge something to come up with an answer as to why they won't give Jonathan Taylor a fair contract. So that's what he went to. We could, the old Ralph Kiner line led the National League in home runs. Branch Ricky offered him a pay cut. He said, I led the league in home runs. He said, 
we finished last. We could have finished last without you. Sorry, Ralph signed the contract. <laughs> it's a good so, point, uh, by the way. Yeah. We could have yeah. finished last without you. Yeah, I love that line. Rich Ricky said many years yeah. ago with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I but here's my the defense of Eagle Nations and, and the running back situation. I don't know that they'll have to have one guy and focus in. I think they'll cut Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni to slack to say, "I, right, you know your guys, you know how to use them. They all better produces to what is expected. And oh, by the way, Rashad Penny's average yards per carry is like over five and a half, right? Mm-hmm. 5.7 career for Rashad Penny. What's DeAndre Swift, uh, uh, average yards per game? Kenny Gainwell, they're going to look to to pump him up slightly. They're playing behind the best offensive line in all of football. Yeah, it, it all comes down to production. If they're when they get the ball, whoever gets the ball, I think they're open-minded Eagle fans to say, "All right, I don't care who's getting the job done, just get the job done." They'll be fine with it. If they're not getting the job done, oh, then the coaches will be second guess Sirianni and uh brian johnson as well because you're not picking the right guy if the results aren't there you think that's fair way for eagle fans to look at it yeah i think so and especially because brian johnson's in his first year as a play caller um they'll wonder if he's got as good a feel for the game and a good feel for his personnel as shane steichen did and it might not be quite as good because steichen was pretty unbelievable as a play caller and just having that feel for what to do and when um but i I, you know i think that with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback as well, we saw it when he went down and missed those two games. The The running game as a whole suffered because they didn't have to worry about Gardner Minshew running the football. And so you, they could key in on the running backs. Defensive linemen could key in on the running backs. And Miles Sanders had a tougher time. Uh, the rest of the running backs had a tougher time running the football. Jalen Hurts is in there. I think all of these running backs are going to have a lot of success. If Jalen Hurts is out and Marcus Mariota is in there, they probably maintain the simil- a similar level of success. And that's one of the reasons why you have Mar- Mariota in here is because he, he does give you that element of running the football. And so um, if they do go a different route, then... I do think that could affect the running backs, but I don't know if, and that's where maybe having Jonathan Taylor makes a bigger difference. Like if Jalen Hurts <laughs> is not there and you don't have a running quarterback, but then he would really, really help. Yeah. And I think with Jalen Hurts back there, this running back situation they have makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, and, and, and running back, a lot of teams use, I'm not a big fan to be honest of a committee approach. I'd rather have a, a three down back, but there's, it's a rotational position in the NFL. So not as concerned. What is in a rotational position, John, is safety. Mm-hmm. And are the Eagles going to use a rotation? And I think that's a bad sign. If you're mm-hmm. using a rotation at safety, I think that's a bad sign. Yeah, I, I would rather them just have two guys who are the the clear starters and you know a guy who's a who's their backup and a number four um, who can spell those guys as well. Um, ideally, you'd like to see Blankenship and you'd like to see Sidney Brown. I mean, it seemed like he had a pretty good camp. You'd like to see those guys um, be the be the guys. I mean, I know Terrell Edmonds is going to get a chance to maybe he'll be the starter. Justin Evans had a really good camp. I mean, I, I kind of like the group. I, I think that the, it's a little bit better of a group than I thought it was going to be at the start of training camp. I like how some of those guys played. I would have liked to see, it would have felt better to go out and get another established veteran, kind of like they did with CJGJ last year. That opportunity apparently just hasn't presented itself yet. 
but I don't like rotating guys in at safety. I agree with you. I think it's much better if you have two guys who are your starters and then two guys who are your backups. Now, that being said, Blankenship, everybody's talking him up as a potential pro bowler in the making here. And if that's the case, maybe you can get away with a rotation on the other at the other position. But to me, that's not the ideal way to go about it. And, you know, we'll have to see what the side does, but um, I think it's best if you have two guys, you know, you're throwing out there for the majority of your snaps. Here's one fear I have at the safety position this year. And feel free to talk me back off the ledge if that's what's necessary. Um, Blankenship is going to play, and we know he's going to play. And if he stays healthy, he's probably playing every single snap. If either Evans or Edmonds is grabs the job, get the first play in New England, and they're playing well, and they end up playing almost all the snaps, I get it. I'm good with that. Somebody can win this job, and I think it's a veteran guy right now who's going to get the nod for game one. And if they stay there, okay, fine. Tell me that Sidney Brown is going to get more than 32 snaps this year. Because last year, that's all N'Kobe Dean got. They had two guys who played well, stayed healthy, never came off the field. And now N'Kobe Dean's got to be the key guy to run in a whole defense with 32 snaps under his belt. Tell mm -hmm. me that's not going to be the case with Brown at safety this year. That the Eagles will be smart enough to go, yeah, you know, we drafted him and we've got control of him and we want him to be. So let's get him a little experience at times during games. I think the Eagles screwed the pooch on that last year. Tell me that's not happening again this year. I, what, the way I will phrase it is, is this way. And I think you guys know, I've been on here before, not the biggest Jonathan Gannon fan in the world right here. I think he was lazy with some of his defensive play calling last year because he knew he had that defensive line that would just go and get the quarterback in, in waves. And I don't think you're going to see the same kind of approach to defense from from sean desai now i don't know what that looks like in terms of scheme aggressiveness blitzing stunts all that kind of stuff but i looking at jonathan gannon and what he did last year i don't think he did a whole lot and i think that sean desai doesn't have to do a whole lot more in order for what we see on in other areas of the defense to be a little bit better so i'm not as concerned about that i i think i think gannon was negligent in not giving Dean some more snaps. And I don't do think I? they'll make the same mistake this year. By the way, with Nicobe Dean, uh, I obviously, and I'll end it here with you, John, my last one at John Stolness. I have to get through that. Uh, uh, read him at bleeding green nation, obviously does a tremendous job there. Uh, listen to him. The eye on the enemy podcast. You got uh, the good fight. The Phillies are, are making their run. 300 home runs. You got plenty to talk about with Bryce Harper there, but Jalen Hurts is the most important player on this team. We can all agree with that. I mm -hmm. would argue number two is N'Kobe Dean. And Jody's a big fan. I'm a big fan. Not as big a fan as Jody. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, but man, they're putting a lot on this plate. <laughs> are, 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 are we comfortable after those 34 snaps you guys were talking about that? Boom. You know, I talk about it all the time. TJ Edwards played 20 stinking games last year, 95% of the snaps. Um, and he's built for it. You know, if you ever see TJ, he's a big guy, mm -hmm. man, old school, 240 pounds, you know, looks like a suit of armor. Um, Kobe's a smaller guy. He's already had some issues with, uh, his ankle in training camp missed a number of 
practices, showed up one day with a big wrap on his hand, played through it. It's a position you take a, a, a beating on. And then we talk about they only got three on the stinking roster. Um, now, Ben Van Sumeren, they brought back to the practice squad. I think that was the only one, right? Um, Linebacker, yeah, he's it. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of depth. They're putting a lot on his plate. Is that a good idea? Makes me nervous. Uh, it was one of the positions I thought they needed to address during training camp. I, I really thought that they should have gone out and gotten another linebacker um, because I agree with you. I We don't know. Nicobe Dean's a big unknown right now. He really is. And I think he's going to be good. He's got, we'll put it this way. He's got the talent to be a really good NFL player, but he hasn't, he hasn't proven anything and that's okay. Sometimes, you know, to go with an unproven player and, but they are making him like the defensive captain. He's going to be calling the plays and he's, they, they desperately need him to, to be the guy. And you're right. It makes me a little bit nervous and I'll say a little bit more than a little bit. And it makes me quite a bit nervous that so much is, laying on his shoulders and it's kind of not fair to him to be honest with you um and i agree with you i think he's gonna miss some games this year i think he's gonna probably you know he's he's a lighter guy we you mentioned he's gotten dinged up a bit in training camp wouldn't be at all surprised if he misses a game or two or three during the course of the season and then if that happens what do they do do they move nolan smith to linebacker for some plays here and there because you know do you then you've got you know you've got christian ellis all of a sudden elevated to the starting to the starting lineup with Zach Cunningham. You know, do they uh, do they go out and do they do they bring back Nicholas Morrow? I think there's a chance that you guys are talking about him before I popped on. There's a chance they bring him back right before week one. So as maybe not to have to pay him a whole year, the, the whole year's salary that they had agreed to before. So there could be some some contract stuff going on there. But I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he does come back in the near future just to kind of be another veteran body there who if if Dean goes down. He may not be great, but you know you could probably slide him in there and get away with it for a game or two. But no, it does it makes me nervous too, John. And I don't know if I'd say he's the most important guy outside of Jalen Hurts. I I tend to think Lane Johnson. You look at their record when he doesn't play. Yeah, um, yeah. he's he'd probably be That's my fair. number two. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Dean on defense, absolutely. I think is outside of Hassan Reddick, I think is the most important player. All right, let's uh, get one more. And your last question is going to be multiple choice, so we'll let you go easy out the door. All right. Um, and we're keeping the nervous meter out, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you three choices. What are you most nervous about next Sunday in New England versus Patriots for the Eagles opener? A, the fact that Bill Belichick is still coaching the Patriots, and he's pretty good. B, it's all hail Tom Brady day in New England, and the crowd's going to be pretty pumped up, and the Patriots might be able to take something from that and run with it, or C, Nervous? Come on, we're talking about Eagles Patriots. Look at these two rosters. Why the hell would I be nervous, Jody? A, B, C. I'm more in the camp of C, to be honest with you. Okay. I, I think I think with the Tom Brady thing, I think that generally gives a team a rush during the first seven to ten minutes of the ball game. And you know, the Eagles, I think, just need to kind of withstand the initial surge from the crowd and then you know talent generally wins out on on things like that i mean we've seen a lot of instances where you know you have these eagles games where you have a big emotional moment in the beginning and the team kind of rides it and then and then 
as the as the the pace of the game normalizes, the, the better team wins out. So I, I think the I think the Eagles are a much more talented team than the Patriots. And I hear you about Bill Belichick. He's still a good he's still a good coach, but um he's I don't think he can magically make up the difference in the talent gap between these two teams, especially if J- and Jalen Hurts is the wild card with anything. You know, Jalen Hurts can sometimes mitigate any of this extraneous stuff that that we worry about you know because he because he's a metronome he he doesn't fluctuate you know he's the he's the same guy no matter the game and situation and location and all that so it's amazing how much my confidence in this team is just mirrored with my confidence in Jalen Hurts and his ability to keep the team on an even keel and uh, for the coaching staff to have the team ready to play in week one and I know last year in Detroit it looked kind of shaky week one they you know, the offense was really good. The defense wasn't so good, but Detroit, as we found out as the season went along, was a legitimately good offensive team. And I think this year coming out in week one, it'll be, it's always weird. Week one is always weird in the NFL. So it's a lot of feeling out process, but I'm not worried about Belichick and I'm not worried about Tom Brady day. If the Eagles lose, I don't think it'll be because of either of those two reasons. All right. We appreciate it whenever you come on. And Oh, by the way, I'll admit this right here on here. I'm not just going to borrow. I'm going to outright steal. Ah, Metro. I like it. I already <laughs> heard it. I got to steal it. Yeah. How great yeah. is that? Right on yeah. point. That's well why done. we have John well Coleman's on the show. He says smart things like this. Yeah. And we will uh, continue to have him on the show as the season plays itself out. If you like John Solis, hit the like button right now. Stolas, you're picking us up here. We appreciate yeah. it greatly. Whatever you do, check out his Zion the Enemy podcast and Bleeding Green Nation. John, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, bud. Stolen us on Birds 365. Never heard anybody. Yeah, it. like it. Like it. Jalen Hurts. Making him. a note. Metronome. That is exactly way, way to go, John. Jalen Hurts is. Good point by JS. All right. McDonald and McMullen, we got to get our first break in. That's right. First break. Yeah. You got how about that? Seven straight minutes of Birds 365. Be thankful. Not, not good for the sponsors. We got to get it in. Got to get it in. Got to make the sponsors. We'll get get the commercials in. No sweat. We got an hour and five minutes to go. McDonald and McMullen, a.k.a. Mac and Mac on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got the Mac and Mac guys John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365 Thanks for streaming on in as we count down the days now in single digits just nine to kick off Single digits, wow Single digit days, Johnny Mac and then football is back Uh, Probably Nick will get that wrong He'll probably say 13 days when I ask him about the safeties Shot on goal for the coach, Jay does have to take that one He's got to be able to do some math for us there Um, I got one other uh, roster question for you and I know that this is far-fetched and it's just me being a slave to football in 2023 where it's all about the quarterback and a quarterback and a quarterback. But the Eagles give us the right to have this conversation because they continue to call themselves the quarterback factory. Uh, I was intrigued and watched the roster cuts and saw if there was any quarterback that got let go that I actually liked. And there was one. Matt Corral of the Panthers was actually on their original 53-man roster. But then the Panthers put in three claims and got three players via waivers. So when you claim somebody, if you get them, somebody else has got to go from the 53 that you submitted. And they decided to cut back to only two quarterbacks, uh, Bryce Young and Andy Dalton. So they had to release um, uh, Matt Corral. I watched the game the other night. I think he finished five of 12 or something ridiculous. Like it made one beautiful pass. It was just flat out dropped, dropped it in a bucket on a long pass, uh, took off and ran for 25 yards. I really like the kid coming out in the draft two years ago and he's been an injury waiting to happen. He got hurt right at the end of his collegiate career. Sure. He gets hurt in preseason last year. Uh, so he never really got a chance to show off his wares. Um, but a practice squad stash, 
Uh, they've already filled out 14 of 16. No, no, no quarterback on the practice squad, Johnny Mac. Do you think the Eagles will be looking at a quarterback as a practice squad since they've got uh, two more, uh, I don't want to call them voids, but positions to fill? Do you think the team, uh, the quarterback factory, uh, is looking at a potential quarterback to add just one more guy to the practice squad? I don't think so because they really like what well, they, they, they always want to have a developmental guy and they really, that's what Tanner McKee proved to them um, is that they really like him and they really want to try to develop him. And I don't, I don't think there's, there's enough time in the day to develop two guys at once. You never say never with this team because they too, they do value uh, the position. It sounds silly, but, Right, with Jalen Hurts. Well, no, I I'm a quarterback behind your developmental quarterback yeah. when your first quarterback is one of the best in the play. It, it doesn't seem to add yeah. up, but you never well, know. Well, I meant, I meant from the fact that everybody should value the quarterback position, and everybody does, but they take it to a, another level. And that's why I say you never say never, but th- their whole focus is always to have that that one, at least one developmental guy behind obviously an entrenched starter and a good backup the question is do they have a good backup they have a veteran backup i don't know if they have a good backup um is he prepared to play more than most backups yeah i i would say that i don't know if he's prepared to play well um but i think they like the setup and have some issues they have to address other places for those open spots that would that would be my guess. Um, but, yeah, you never say never with this team uh, at the quarterback position. I don't know what they liked, Matt, Matt Corral. I, I didn't hear his name a lot. Uh, Leading up to the draft. Out. Yeah. So I don't get the feeling that he was a guy on their radar, but you never know. Just yeah, because cause I probably never asked about him, so, you know. I was a fan um, of the player. That's why I asked. I yeah. liked him when he came out. In the day. I never heard. I've never heard the name in relation to the Eagles, but okay, just um, just asking. Um, I do have another question for you that I don't even know it's going to be handled. If they've hinted at it, or if somebody told you off the record, um, certainly share with us without uh, giving your source. Last year, the Eagles had how many captains? Oh boy, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Five or six, I guess. Right, but you uh, told us see. Darius Slay was Darius really Slay was a captain up because yeah, they he was made him the excited. captain. Had never yeah. been a captain before, yeah. so it it matters to some of the guys on the team. Do you know the process by which they're going to select their captains this year? Well, last year was completely player vote. Um, it's typically player vote during the COVID season. Uh, Doug just named captains because of you know all the issues. Um, but that was only, that was obviously an outlier. Um, so yeah, typically it's a straight player vote and that's why Slay was so excited because he had never been a captain before and, and his teammates voted him a captain. So yeah, for him, it was really exciting. Obviously Jalen Hurts is going to be a captain. Jason Kelsey is going to be a captain. Fletcher Cox is going to be a captain. Um, um, who am I missing? Um, da, da, da. On special teams, he's going to be the captain. That's yeah, good question. Jake Elliott, Jake Elliott. Um, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Um, and I'm missing somebody that's obvious. Did I say BG? Um, um, no, I think you just said Fletch on the defense. Yeah, so BG. Um, yeah, I mean, those guys are all back, so I expect them to be captains again. Um, how many captains did they have last year? Do you, if you remember off the top of your head, because I, I, I saw I, one note today that the Giants picked ten captains. Yeah, ten. Yeah. it wasn't that's ten. A bit, I, that's I think that's it was a bit six. much. I think it was six. Um, okay, I think it was that six. Um, but yeah, I I have to be forthcoming. I don't pay too much attention to captains. It's not like hockey where it's. Um, although they do put the C on the jersey now sometimes, but uh, um, I don't know. It seems to be a big deal in in hockey. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have so many entrenched guys, and obviously, it's going. If, if your quarterback's not a captain, you got an issue. That's a problem. But the, right. the but the Eagles have a very good leader at quarterback, so uh, they don't have that kind of issue. Uh, and then the Kelseys of the world, the, the, the core four, you know, maybe Lane, maybe Lane gets bumped up uh, because, you know, Fletcher. Lane, and, Lane was not one last year? Uh, do not believe so. Okay. Um, not 100% because I don't. Yeah, like and I I'm said. with you. It's, it's, it's certainly something worth noting. And because you, I remember you telling us about it, Slay was as jacked up as he was because he didn't know it was coming. And then yeah. he got it and he took it seriously. And uh, I I think it's certainly something that you should uh, acknowledge when the season starts. Does it play a big deal during the course of the season? No, I don't think football captains do. So I know where you're coming from. But uh, there's a couple guys that I'm interested in this year uh, if they would get named. Hassan Reddick had about as good a year as you can have. He was a runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year in the National Football League. If that doesn't merit getting you captain status, I don't know what does. Uh, so that's the reason why I kind of brought it up. I'd, I'd be interested to see, and, and Hassan has been a... Well, uh, now, see, I will say from the Eagles' perspective, on, on it, there's very few teams, in fact, there's no teams that have, you know, the, the, the core four, whatever you want to call it, that have been here for over a decade. Um, unless you want to go to the Giants route and name 20% of your team captains, I mean, you can't name everybody a captain. So it's 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 one or the like you're not going to take it away from um uh BG and and Jason and 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 Fletch. So you have to add. Um and you can, you can name. 53 if you want. Right, they no named Slay last year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Slay, Slay was, wasn't one of the core four. So no. but for the most part, yeah. I'm I'm saying if you want to keep it there and you're gonna name a special teams captain, so presumably they're not gonna take it away from Jake. Um unless you want to go to the Giants route and keep adding people, which you can do. Um, you know. I guess it depends on how you want to handle it. Well, if, if they were at six last year, if they went to seven, I would not say that's going to the giant route, which is 10. 10 kind of grabs me as uh, over the top. And oh, by the way, the Eagle, the Giants don't have guys like BG and Fletcher Cox. And no, uh, what, what was their list of 10? 
How did they get the 10? I I saw it. I just saw that they were a 10. I didn't even know who the 10 were. I'm sure the quarterback is I'm one. I'm sure of, the quarterback I, is one. I, I, hope, they the, I hope the quarterback is one. My I hope. With the yeah. the the animus between uh, Saquon and the Giants, I don't even know if you'd want to make him a captain. They he didn't sign a, a contract extension. He just oh he did. That's right, he did. Uh, so at least he's good to go for this year. But I don't know if he would want to go there. I'm just very intrigued as to whether Hassan Reddick would get because he seemed and John, you got a chance to talk to him a couple times during this off season. Would you not see and the Eagles get to choose who goes to see the media and the like? Do you not think that he has been established as a leader of this team? Not not along the lines of BG and Fletch, but one year in that he's kind of a, a spokesman and a leader for the group on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a great player. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that's accountable, uh, that always talks good or bad. Um, so yeah, I'd have no problem with it. I mean, um, I don't know if he's going to politic for it, you know, ultimately it's a, you know, it's a player's vote. Uh, so he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to, to go out and say, Hey, vote for me to be captain. Uh, but if he was a captain, it wouldn't surprise me. And, and it'd probably be well-deserved. I mean, he's to me, that's that the word I just used accountable. Are you accountable? I mean, to me, that makes you a leader and he's accountable. So right, man. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. And I do have the giants list. It's Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Darren Waller, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Bobby O'Karakee, the linebacker, Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, and Graham Gano. There's your 20% list of team captains, almost 20. Uh, for the New York football giants. And the one that jumps off the page, at least for me in that grouping is Darren Waller just got there. Now I've been saying all season, that was an under the radar pickup uh, uh, by the giants. I think Waller is one of the physically most gifted tight ends in the entire national football league. And right. If he's healthy, he's potential top five tight end. Yeah. He's a good player, but he's got to stay healthy. Um, you told the story about uh, when he came in with the Ravens, right? As a rookie. Or- he was a rookie wide receiver. He wasn't even a tight end. And he just killed the Eagles, especially with uh, contested catches in the red zone because uh, he's, you know, big guy, 6'6"-ish. Um, and he, <laughs> but he was really skinny at the time because he played wide receiver at Georgia Tech and ultimately his body filled out. Yeah, he's gifted. Um, but he's been hurt and you right. know, stay on the field, is, stay is, healthy, yeah, is his complete key. And if he does, he's got a chance to be a weapon for the Giants. Still think the Eagles are better than the Giants, but I give the Giants credit because they got him for a song during this offseason. And uh, he must be doing a job up there if he got a captain's nod. Although, as we also know, it's 10 deep, a lot of captains on that giant team. Uh, I'm intrigued as to see who the Eagle captains are going to be. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We are scheduled to talk to Eric at home. And I got a text from Eric says uh, he should be good to go. I text him earlier. Yeah. And said, uh, did uh, you good to go an hour from now? And he gave me the big thumbs up. So uh, yesterday, unfortunately, Eric had to duck out on us. Got an assignment right before the show is supposed to start. But he told me he is assignment free today. And he's going to join us next. 
Uh, always does a good job when he jumps in with us. Eric Edholm from NFL.com. Going to be up next here on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the show. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. You got Mag and Mac here with you on Birds 365, McDonald and McDonald. We are joined by one of our faves from NFL.com, Eric Edholm. Eric, good to see you. Appreciate you jumping on with us this morning. One week. One week until the first game in the National Football League. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs against the Detroit Lions on Thursday night. So what do you do for the next week? Well, tonight I watch Mizzou, South Dakota, of course, because everybody else will be. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I get my alma mater tonight, and then, uh, yeah, just settle in for a weekend of, uh, of college football and catch up on some writing and, and, and do whatever I can to stay busy until uh, until Thursday around 7 o'clock Central time. 
You know, it's funny you talked about college football. I was watching Notre Dame Navy last week from Dublin. And I'm yes. Like, and I'm like, oh, this is too early. This is too early. It was a little bit too early. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't get into it yet. But hopefully this week we'll get the feel, a little bit better feel for college football. No, see, I, I was watching USC because yeah, okay. the, the freshman kid, holy oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I need mean, him on the Eagles because he's a generated touch guy, and John hates yeah. that. He hates the uh, well. The I don't hate it. I just guy. think. No, I, to 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 clarify, Eric, with manufactured touch players, I don't think enough coaches take advantage of them. I don't think there's enough coaches that stay disciplined enough, not named Kyle Shanahan, where I'm like, everybody talks about it. And then when the game, when the bullets are getting fired, they're like, I can't worry about that. I got to run a route. I got to run a right. Uh, I, I think I think there's something to that. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered about those players. Just like, you know, we were, we were kind of having a debate uh, last week or whatever when, when Isaiah Simmons, you know, kind of a defensive, the idea of like the defensive weapon, right? And they become these – you have too many unitaskers or too many specialists that are that are so good at what they do that, that having these gadget players, you know, can, can be – dangerous if they're not used properly and they're not developed properly too. We say, oh, he can do a million different things. But if he does them at just an above average or slightly average, you know, or slightly above average or average way, you know, I don't know what you're getting out of, but you're right about the play calling too. You see it a lot in the scripted plays early in games, but when it comes yeah, down to, yeah, right. And then yeah, it, it, once the scripted part is over, you got to be really, really disciplined. Oh, I got to get so-and-so involved. I was a big core Daryl Patterson guy when he came in the league. And, you know, Minnesota like every once yep. in a while, and then they forgot about getting, oh, we got to get this guy to football, whereas somebody can run a route like Justin Jefferson. It's easy to get them to football. But right. if you got to manufacture it, other than Kyle, I haven't seen a lot of people successful with that. Yeah, you, you have to have a coach who's got, you know, uh, some breath to their thought, you know, and you have to have somebody who, who has – plays that set up other plays and you know i mean you're not just calling plays you're calling plays for a specific purpose right and to be able to handle that you know manage the clock and manage the game and also spread the touches out carefully and, and thoughtfully it's a tough job you're right shanahan does a pretty darn good job of it right there, there there are no there's no team out there that has more of those specialist type guys probably than than the niners and for the most part they use them yeah, yeah, Shanahan's the best. It's not even close. I, I had not even realized this. Shame on me. You, you set me up for an easy first question, Mister Missouri guy. Eagles acquired uh, a tight end, Alberto. <laughs> That's right. Whose last name we're still learning how to pronounce. Um, who? Yeah, I had draft guys say he could be the steal the draft prior to and yeah, talented tight end in the draft and. He hasn't lived up to that. Now, he didn't go in the first round. It's not like he's a bust or anything, but uh, there were some that talked him up more than what his production has been his first three years in the league. I'm sure you followed him because he's one of your guys, former yeah. Tiger. Um, why Why didn't he have bust-out seasons in Denver, and what could the Eagles be acquiring? Fascinating specimen. I, I, he's, he's kind of a large finesse tight end. And that's the best way I can kind of describe him. I mean, you know, his final year at Missouri, they didn't get him the ball enough. The year prior had a really productive season and felt like kind of a guy who, 
you know, almost demanded the ball in crunch time, but way too passive, I thought, as a player, you know, just sort of felt like, you know, just seemed like a guy with a real kind of even temperament and didn't really have that, you know, that kind of extra gear, that little extra nastiness. He was big enough. You thought he had potential as a blocker, but, you know, leverage, strength, things like that. This, I'm talking about kind of earlier in his career, especially coming out of college. It just felt like he wasn't developed in those ways. So talking about a specialist, he essentially started his career as a number three tight end, the kind of guy that you could throw the ball to, but didn't have a whole lot of special teams utility, didn't have a blocking role, couldn't be used extensively, suffered from the occasional con- uh, uh, concentration drop. So it was, it was frustrating to watch him. Early injuries also were, were a big factor early in his career. But you, if you watched any of that fourth quarter the other night, I mean, he's out there making diving catches, yeah. unbelievable grabs, and you think Howie Roseman did the talent, yeah. yeah. But, yeah I don't know. But, but by the way, Howie and Nick here, uh, Eric, they spent yeah. the whole summer saying uh, we we value joint practices, preseason games. Don't even pay attention. Then they trade for Albert Elder. Right? Did you see that preseason game? I'm like, what are yeah. we talking about here? Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, I, I see how they can. They, that's how they would justify it, right? Even Sean Payton seemed a little caught off guard. Like, where's this been all? You know, yeah. they, they obviously have Greg Dolchich and other guys. They dropped it a little higher more recently, but I mean, yeah, it just is. <laughs> I, I don't know what what role he's going to fill. I know they were trying to figure that third tight end spot out a little bit, and whether it's going to be a you know receiver blocker or kind of a combination, but. Like I said, he's always had ability. I've always thought he could be a really good red zone threat because of his high point ability and his well, you know, just unusual skills. And you run in the four fours. I mean, people are going to say, all right, maybe I can fix this guy. He's just so not we're... agile. He's not like he's not a quick twitch guy, but he can run and he's big, like you said. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the I think it was a valuable take a shot as a third tight end. Think it's an upgrade over Grant Calcaterra. You know, Eric, I I want I want to throw my waiver theory at you. <laughs> Waivers, okay. It's such an interesting psychological experiment to me. I've talked about this with Jody every year. I think the average over the past ten years has been about forty guys over that first week get claimed on waivers. But every year, especially here in Philadelphia, because the Eagles have been one of the deeper teams in football, yeah. a lot of fans go, they're going to lose this guy. They're going to lose this guy. They're going to lose this guy. And it ends up never really manifesting itself. But 365 days later, same thing. We're going to lose this guy. We're going to lose this guy. Now, my theory is if you claim one, that's fine. If you claim two, it's fine because there's some guys like Howie – Typically, there's some GMs that just like to do something. They don't want to stand still. They want to keep doing stuff. But if you claim three or more, you stink. And you're either a disaster or you're rebooting off a disaster. So this year, 24 guys got claimed, six by Arizona. Eagles fans will get excited by that because Jonathan Gannon, they don't like. Um, Three, uh, Indianapolis and Carolina. Uh, our other buddy Shane Steichen and the Panthers, they stink, right? Those teams yeah. stink. Have so, you ever thought about it that way? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think about the, you know, I, I remember, I, I think about the draft sometimes in terms of, 
what pro personnel guys look for. You know, like I always ask like the, the pro scouts that I've talked to, I always say like, you know, what are the hardest positions to find in season? Like what are the positions where you can get bargains and free agency, right? And how does that correlate to the draft? Well, this all comes back to cut down day because, you know, you, you have all year to, to, to assemble this 90-man roster. There are some teams like the Eagles, like the Ravens, even the Patriots, 49ers, um, a handful of others that every single year – have players cut that end up on other teams, either because those teams have produced GMs and assistant coaches who came from there, or because they recognize that that bottom of the roster talent is a little bit more robust than what you'd find in Arizona, Carolina, et cetera. Um, You know, obviously some teams get bit by injuries. And if it's like a punter or a long snapper, some kind of specialist like that, you get it. Maybe a kick returner, somebody with, with real specific skills, a slot receiver, nickel corner but yeah i mean if if you're doing what arizona's doing it's it's clearly you're you're panning for any kind of goal whatsoever you know i said this year's this fast draft should be about getting as many foundational pieces as possible heading into a draft where you're going to take a couple big cuts at, at, at at superstars all right eric uh, gotta ask you about jonathan taylor of course, he's a topic of conversation here in Philadelphia because anytime a big name becomes available, it's got to be, and the Eagles are involved because how he checks in just to see, hey, what's the price? And the reports that we got yesterday, the price was Jalen Waddle plus. Yeah, the Colts are really trying to trade him. Good luck with that. Um, it, it's just seemed like there's too much bad blood gone back and forth between these two groups. But if they're holding tight to their asking price, and uh, they're not getting that. What's going to happen four weeks from now? He's on the pup list, and there's, you can just table everything for four weeks. But at some point, it's going to come to a head. Can he come back and play for them? Is there too much bad blood? Is the owner dictating everything here? What's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor a month from now in Indianapolis? Yeah, it, as you kind of laid out, there are a lot of – little tentacles to this thing. There's an injury. There's a contract situation. There's the fact that this team was pathetically bad last year. You know, there's no other way to say it, right? I mean, the whole mess with Jeff Saturday, moving on from, from a, a respected head coach, even one who was, who was, you know, probably, you know, not, not for long anyway. And, and Frank Reich, um, you're bringing in a rookie quarterback that you hope, you know, Taylor will be kind of the, the, the bodyguard, if you will, you know, somebody who can obviously help kind of take some of the pressure off of Anthony Richardson. So, you know, there's all these different tentacles. Shane wanted to make this thing, you know, get this thing done like everybody else did. But, you know, Jonathan's held firm to a, to a high number. The, the Colts have said, no, we can't pay you that. And they reluctantly granted the trade. Now, that, that always opens Pandora's box a little bit, and you get worried about, well, how do you sort of put the genie back in the bottle on this one, right? How do you make amends? And I mean, I've seen some strange things. I've seen players and teams that look like they're at complete loggerheads. They'll never come back from this. And all of a sudden, a new deal signed, everything's fine, right? I mean, yeah. is that the way it always works out? No. But remember how weird and intense it got with, with Kyler and, and the Cardinals before his yeah. contract? Yeah, yeah. You know, there were a few other examples, too. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to Emmett Smith sitting out the first two games in 93 or whatever, I mean, you know, Emmett worked that out all right and with the Cowboys. So I, I, I've i been told that there's there's frustration on both sides, but that, 
the Colts still think this thing can, is solvable and, and fixable. And Chris Ballard is, I think, going to try to make this work as best he can. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of hold on to him and and hope that Taylor, you know, kind of kind of sees their side of it. But I, w- I was listening to Chris Ballard. It, it's amazing how quickly this league moves, Eric. Because you know, a couple of years ago, Chris was the toast of the town. He was he was one of the best GMs in football. And as you mentioned, Indianapolis has um, not had the, the best run. And, boy, he's out there. He made that one quote about Jonathan Taylor, basically was like, he's a great player. He said all the right things, great player. Uh, we won him, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, we won four games last year, essentially saying, you know, you can have the best running back in football. We stunk. Um I don't know if that's the way I would have handled it, uh, but is it Chris Ballard or is it the owner in Indianapolis? I got to believe it's the owner. And I feel bad for my guy, Shane Steichen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, Shane's obviously, I would say a lot of people remember a year ago, which I had forgotten until recently, we were looking at our 2022 season predictions and looking at other people's too, kind of having fun with it. Oh, who, who, who screwed up? Who did the best? There was some Indianapolis love before last year. Oh, yeah. There were people actually saying, like, hey, Matt Ryan's the perfect quarterback for this team. They've got kind of a veteran core, the offensive line, Jonathan Taylor, you know, exactly. I mean, and look how far they fall. Now, maybe that suggests that they're actually a little bit better than we realized, that, that last year was just kind of a fluky sort of a torrent of events. But, you know, there always seems to be some drama going on around this team in, in central Indiana, right? A, t- a team that yeah. isn't exactly in the media hot spot, right? And, you know, he's a, he's a flamboyant owner. He's a guy who is obviously not afraid to kind of say what's on his mind and, and be a little bit contrarian from the, the rest of the owners and, you know, wave his freak flag the way he, he could only do. Um, and there are some people who feel like that's kind of a cover for the fact that, boy, I mean, he's, he's made some rash decisions. He's made some poor ones. He's, he's been the guy who's hired all these people that are now, many of them gone. You know, at some point you have to, you know, the buck has to stop somewhere. So I think it's the, the blame is spread throughout, but there's been one common denominator since, <laughs> since the team yeah. uh, got there, you know. Yeah. Uh, Give me your read on how good a deal or not good a deal it was that the Cowboys made getting Trey Lance to be their back. Pretty interesting, player. isn't it? Really is. Yeah. And, and uh, I've given my take on it. I need yours. Uh, how did shake out and how much do you think the Cowboys benefit from it? I have a lot of respect for Will McClay and the Cowboys scouting staff. I think they're among the best. It's really hard to grade these things. You know, I mean, everyone has whiffs. Everybody, you know, has, has hits. But when I listed earlier, you know, the number of teams that had, you know, like the Ravens and the Eagles, et cetera, Cowboys probably deserve to be on that list. They have a lot of talented players and they had some tough cuts this year. So they know talent. They've got a high priced scouting staff that I think has earned the money. They're going to be a team that's to be reckoned with. So I think they're just looking at it as they had a big grade on, on, on Trey coming out and felt like, boy, is this the kind of thing that, that we can afford to pass on for a fourth round pick, fourth rounder, you know, for quarterback, you assume that's a backup with maybe some growth potential. Day one or two, you say, okay, prospective starter, right? But but day three and and, and beyond, day round four and beyond, 
you're taking a little bit of a, a risk. And they clearly thought he had talent and was shoehorned into this very awkward quarterback situation with a coach who's always had wandering eyes at that position, right? Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, you know, Matthew Stafford. Shanahan has been connected to every quarterback who's ever lived, I think. And that's that's tough, I think. Yeah. I don't know that you take a kid with like, I don't know, 800 reps under center that matter since high school. Like he doesn't, you know, I mean, it's just so raw that I think given where Dak's contract has a void after – two more years. So like, you know, that's behind the scenes when you can watch him develop and be the backup possible starter one day. You never know. You know, it's interesting. You guys bring up the Cowboys for Lance and you mentioned, obviously this is not going to be popular in Philadelphia, but uh, over the cap, I just saw an interesting stat. They, they, they went down the, the rosters, the initial 53s, the team, responsible for starting the most NFL careers. I just saw that. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, And I'm telling you, Baltimore's number two, which people will say, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But the Cowboys, yeah, they, they identify talent. They've been a talented team pretty consistently here. They just tend to implode in the playoffs, but they found, (laughs) They found a lot of good players over the years. I, yeah, I, that's yeah. fair to say. At the risk of, of further alienating any of your fans, like I said earlier, I, I think we're going to be time, good this year. <laughs> I just, no worries. We break yeah. through it. Yeah. The mill here, Eric. Yeah. Eric. No problems whatsoever. I just speak my mind and, and hope it comes out all right. I mean, I think they're going to be one of the Super Bowl contenders this year. I don't know if they can win it. As you said, their, their recent playoff record – I keep saying it about the Chargers, which I don't know if that gives me any credibility or not. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> if you just look at talent, you say to yourself, the Chargers should be good this year. The Cowboys should yeah. be good this year. I think both teams have good scouting staffs, and, and that matters. I think the Eagles have a good scouting staff, and they, they've made some changes in recent years too. But, I, I, you know, I'm a draft guy. I'm, I'm always going to kind of stand up for that community, and I believe that for as many misses as every staff has, you pay these guys to find the sixth rounders, seventh rounders, undrafted free agents, kind of those 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 gems, those diamonds in the rough. Everyone can identify a first round talent. Yeah, but yeah. that's how you get to be Dallas, opening the most careers and then you know of the current NFL players because you know who can make it, and that's knowing what that floor is. I think is really important. You've got the uh, Chargers and your Cowboys in your – don't discount them. They could end up in the big game group. I'll tell you I have in there, and I need your take on them. I think the Seahawks could be that team this year. And the Eagles play Seattle in Seattle in season. Yeah. I think a really nice test for them. I think Bobby Wagner back. I know he's old, but he still was pretty damn good for the Rams. The Rams were awful last year. Wagner was yeah. one of the highlights of their entire team. And it again, sure get Adams back – which is a piece to use one of those pieces. How do you use them? You got to use them correctly. A blitzing defensive back. There aren't too many of those in the National Football League, but Jamal Adams might be the best one of all of them. Um, do you think Seattle's a team that can win 10 or 11 games? Well, first of all, I've been in Seattle for a Eagles-Seahawks game, and that was a that was a fun night. That was a, it was a primetime game. It was terrific. You know, I got there early. The streets were filled. If you guys get a chance to go, obviously, I don't know if you have been out there for a game. Yeah, that is a environment. So, yeah, that's a fun one. Um, 
Seattle, I agree. I think I kind of slept on them even earlier this summer. Like, oh, they had a nice little season and, you know, Gino's back and everything's great and everything. I kind of just put them to the side a little bit. And then all of a sudden I'm realizing, boy, the Rams look pretty tough this year. I mean, rough, not not good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. the Cardinals we know. Um, really? The Niners. Right, exactly. I, who's to say this is a team that added Jackson Smith and Jigba. They added uh, uh, Devin Witherspoon to it already – Pretty talented secondary. You get Adams back. You bring Wagner back, right? And then all of a sudden you start thinking run defense was their biggest problem a year ago. Not having enough playmakers at the end of the year was another issue. Kind of just solved both of those right there in the draft and also with some of their other moves they made. And, I I mean, who's to say they couldn't win 11, 12 games, right? I mean, it's probably not going to look perfect every single time. We'll see just how good that defense is, but – they seem to have kind of fixed some things that look like, you know, thorns last season during a very good co- campaign otherwise. Um, Eric, one of your uh, most interesting pieces to me over at NFL.com was a, a pre-training camp thing you did. Uh, uh, the, essentially the biggest challenge for each team going into training camp. Um, first, as a, a you know, as a philosophical standpoint, can you prove something like that over training camp? Is it, in other words, has any team said, you know what, uh, I'm not as concerned about that challenge. And then specifically boiling it down to the Eagles, which I think rightfully you talked about their linebackers. Would they leave camp confident in their linebacker group? They only got three linebackers. Can you believe that yeah. confident? And one of them came in late after Zach <laughs> right. Cunningham. Zach, yeah. I, yeah, it was interesting to see them kind of pivot. I don't know if that's the right word, but to see them bring in Miles and Zach the same day, and you thought, I guess they're going to be figuring this thing out on the fly, right? Now, it seems like, you know, obviously we know Miles' story, and he just said, no, Moss, it's fine, good for you. You know, it, better to make that decision ahead of time. Zach, you know, was, has kind of just been that hired gun in recent years and, and come in and done a pretty respectable job for the teams that he's joined kind of on the fly, too. So from that perspective, you know, obviously it's disappointing that you, you did they did make some moves the offseason that were kind of figured towards being solutions that haven't yet been with those. So, But then again, how important is linebacker? On, I, mean, I almost regret writing that as a topic. I mean, yes, it's an issue, but – is that going to be the difference between them winning the Super Bowl or not? I don't know, you know, and is Nicobe Dean part of that solution? Is he going to come along and be healthy? That's the biggest question, I think, for him. And, you know, I mean, it's it's not like it's a dire situation, in my opinion. It looks a little stable right now. So, yeah, th- to me, it was almost like, boy, they just don't have a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, you got a nitpick with this team. Depth at receiver is concerning. Yeah. I mean, if, if A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith go down, that's a problem. Yeah. We played 17 games last year and were terrific. They're, they're all pros. I love them. They're, they're terrific. If one of them gets hurt, that's a different team. So that's the only question I would say as far as, like, depth issues. All right, and here's the fun part, uh, because uh, when we get a guy like you on who knows the draft as well as you do, i got to ask you a draft question. And, yeah, we got a whole season for the Eagles to play and a whole season for college football to be played yet, but I need the answers right here, right now. Uh, I do have concerns about linebacker, and I like Cunningham, and I think it was a hell of a pickup by Ari Roseman. I think he's going to be really good for the Eagles this year, but 
who the hell knows about the future? Out, uh, middle linebacker slash off ball linebacker, call them whatever you want. Uh, not pass rushing linebackers. Eagles have enough of those. Yeah. AKA defensive ends. Um, how good a group is this linebacker class for the 2024 draft uh, that are going to be available? Yeah, the Eagles probably not going to take a linebacker in the first round, but I could cross yeah. my fingers. Uh, how good a, a group is it for your early preview reads before we actually play the season out? That's a good question. You know, it's always a tough position for me, especially lately as, as you know, safeties and linebackers, the lines get blurred a little bit, linebackers and pass rushers even, you know. I mean, it, it's a tough position to fill because, you know, I think teams look for very specific things, and there are fewer of them on the field typically now with more nickel and dime defenses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's – I wouldn't say – I don't know that it'll be – vastly different from last year. I don't know that it was a great group. Obviously, had, you know, Jack Campbell and a couple other guys who were, you know, somewhat highly regarded. Um, but I don't know that there's a, a first-rounder in my mind. I mean, Tommy Eichenberger from, from Ohio State's pretty darn good. The Clemson kid, uh, Carter's gotten a lot of love. You know, that's that's another player that I think could, could, could maybe jump up a little bit. Um, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of um, – What's the kid's name? Junior Colson at Michigan. He was another one that's – Michigan's got a ton of players this year. I've only gotten through about half of them. But he's a player that I think has gotten a lot of uh, attention, rightfully so. You know, Tyron Hopper, you want to watch tonight? Yeah, Missouri is another pretty good one. I think right. Easton Gibbs at, at Wyoming is a really good player who I think's you know, kind of swept under the rug out in the on the West. But – Omar Spates from LSU is another good one. I just – I don't know that there's anything close to a first-rounder like right now. Maybe it happens in the classroom, but – It's good because the Eagles aren't going to take him in the first round anyway. There you go. Right. They don't value linebacker or nothing. Right. And just let me double-check on this. You don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to fall down at like 30, 31, 32 <laughs> for them to be able to bring a homeboy home, do you? No. You guys are worried about – Howie not finding a way up there? Like, come on, man! That's he just he gets that's there. True. That's true. Give him a, give him a couple months. Up. I mean, give him time. Let him let him figure out a strategy, and, and he'll he'll uh, I don't, choose I your don't, own adventure his way there. You know, I think he's going to be fine with AJ and Devontae for at least. There you go. Yeah, I think they're all right. I think yeah, okay. and you know what? I forgot. Speaking of Eagles connection, Jeremiah Trotter, Clemson yeah, linebacker. Trotter. That's who was he's another one we got to keep an eye on. Yeah, draft eligible this year. Is this his year? He's, he's an, he is right. Yes, he'd be an underclassman this year, yeah. so he would be eligible, assuming yeah. you know everything's cool with uh, that, but. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on the Eagles and linebacker. You got to yeah. go back to Jerry Robinson, uh, all ball oh linebacker uh, for the Eagles That's a name. in the first round. So <laughs> yeah, um, you know. But it's just, you mentioned, and and this will be last one at Eric uh, underscore Ed Home. Make sure you follow Eric on X, no longer Twitter, uh, NFL.com. You can read him there. It does a tremendous job draft wise. Uh, as well as the the league as a whole but um I, I keep waiting i keep waiting for the guy you mentioned the hybrid safety linebackers all these undersized athletic guys the positionalist player you mentioned it with isaiah simmons mm-hmm. who's going to be the guy that says look at these guys i'm going to line up and i'm going to run the football down their throats because none of them can tackle none yeah. of them can stand up is there anybody who's going to zig when everybody else is zagging? Patriots. They have no choice. 
So a team, I think, I mean, well, Falcons too. I should say that, you know, Falcons have the ability to run the ball, you know, 45 times a game if they they need to, and it wouldn't be egregiously bad. I think the Patriots are doing it more out of desperation. I think the Falcons are actually going to be a, you know, a contender in the South this year. I think they have a chance to, to maybe uh, get ahead of the saints and, and, and Panthers and whatnot, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying this for a year. Last year, we actually averaged like 121 rush yards per game, I want to say, off the top of my head. And it's the most it's been in, in quite a while. And some of that is the quarterback run game, obviously. Guys like Jalen are doing things that we, you know, we've really never seen before. But with all these undersized defenses, with all these jokers, like you call them, the wild card players, whatever, um, you know, passing downs, you kick ends inside, et cetera, et cetera. There are some teams out there that might be equipped to bully ball their way and and reverse the trend because it always happens. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. It's it's yeah. gonna the cycle will come back at some point. But I think we're just starting to kind of get to that point now where a handful of teams are looking. The other one might be the Steelers too. I know they have you know three receivers and, and a tight end they like, but there, there's talk about Jalen Warren getting a big role. You know they still have Najee Harris who can carry the ball twenty times. So. There are a few teams that in Seattle, obviously, you know, with their couple of backs. And so there are some teams that are thinking in, in those terms a little bit. All right. Last one for me. And, you know, we appreciate when you have come on, Eric. Sure. I've not been able to talk about this with anybody this year because it didn't happen. And I wait for it every single year because it ticks me off. The NFL has something that they want to try and enforce. And you see it in preseason. They're going point of emphasis that they're going to have a uh, different way of calling the game. Not necessarily a rule change, but right. I think we need to call this more often, and we've seen it, and if they're going to call this all year in preseason, what a mess it's going to be. And then they lighten up as soon as the season starts. Right. I think for it every year in preseason, because it's a fun talking point. I didn't get that this year. Or did I miss it? Is it me, or have the NFL had a pretty consistent, here's the way we're going to call it from 22 to 23? Yeah, that's a good question there, right? That is kind of a, a you know, preseason storyline. You know, every year we seem to have a little bit. And three, four, five years. It's happened every single year, and I don't know that it happened this year. I'm trying to think. Okay, like the the, the kickoff rule is different. There's not really a whole lot to enforce with that, right? So uh, you could wear number zero now. I'm trying to think. What are the other big rules yeah. that they change? You know, now there isn't been any. But everybody took kickoffs out. I think that stops right. week one. I think that stops. I think every right, 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 twenty five. Like everybody's yes. like, all right, we'll see what we have with so and so as a kick returner, and if yep. it's two yards deep, unless you're Patterson, we'll take it out from nine deep. Everybody's going to take a knee and take the ball to twenty-five. It seems like it. Yeah, I mean, we've just been trending that direction. But you're right. There's there's nothing yet to gripe about. I mean, uh, this probably just means we're going to get a a highly controversial call in week one that'll that'll kickstart all that right <laughs> we will have fun with it as we know you will at yeah. nfl.com eric we always appreciate when you come on I know we're going to tap into you a couple times during the season sure for giving us a uh, handy preview today bud Thanks, all right eric. have a great morning we'll see you. enjoy the season see you guys that see is you, eric at home from nfl.com um fun guy good guy uh he plays along and uh knows how to sneak in a laugh every once in a while um appreciate him joining us all right mac and mac mcmullen and mcdonald we got to come back put a bow on the show stay right there 
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Mac and Mac guys here with you on Bridge 365 uh, John what's the Eagles schedule look like and I anytime I ask this question I almost feel bad and I know you got to give me a tentative answer because the Eagles schedule as they damn well please and sometimes yeah, give you much. some heads up and sometimes not uh, what's the Eagles schedule look like as of right now for you uh, coverage wise this week? Uh, they're practicing today, I believe 1145 ish. Um, uh, then have some player availability afterward. Um, then are off for the weekend. That's collectively bargained. Um, um, that so every team gets off and, uh, don't know next week. I assume they'll be back Monday, but certainly, um, you know, obviously it turns into a regular Sunday week, which right. means uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice, uh, walk through Saturday. Um, then you're off uh, playing a game. So, um, yeah, we're we're already in regular season mode. This is just like the bye week sort of um, uh, before um you, you come out of it for week one. So, so they um, do some install stuff on the Patriots today. You yeah. They, they've that? already, a couple guys talked about that lane, um, uh, mentioned it yesterday. They have started putting a little bit in for the Patriots specifically, but obviously, you know, more focused on that next week. Um, All right. So last thing I need a prediction out of you. We'll look ahead to next Sunday. Versus the Patriots, week one in New England, Tom Brady night, Bill Belichick. Here's the most important thing that I need you to tell me ahead of time. 
who will the Patriots be elevating from the practice squad <laughs> to be their backup quarterback? Because as of now, they have one. Talk about the Eagles with no punter. Uh, Patriots are almost yeah. dead with one quarterback. And a quarterback who there are some questions about, as a matter of fact, isn't like, all right, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We only need one. We got Jalen Hurts. We only need one quarterback. We got Mac Jones and we only need one quarterback. That doesn't seem to ring near as true. Uh, will it be Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham, who were their QBs in the preseason, who both uh, were re-signed to the practice squad yesterday? Not on the roster, on the practice squad. One of them must be elevated uh, by game time. Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be out of those? I two? think it's going to be Zappi, but uh, I haven't, you know, paid a ton of attention uh, to what's going on. But I did see that people are like, "How could that be? How could they?" You know, same thing as here. How could you keep one quarterback and everybody's saying this and that? They they get uh, uh, Cunningham and Zappi uh, through waivers. So, right. Uh, shockingly, uh, they both made it through waivers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing how that happens. But, uh, yeah, obviously they have to elevate one of them. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think enough teams um, – paid attention to uh, what happened to San Francisco last year and, and the rule change. I mean, they're giving you the opportunity to dress three damn quarterbacks, dress three quarterbacks. I mean, uh, all right. If you want to keep um, three on the roster, um, I, I don't even agree with that, to be honest, because you now have the opportunity. It's not a penalty to dress that third guy. Uh, they changed that rule back to the so-called emergency quarterback rule. Yep. Why aren't you utilizing that? Yeah, obviously, I have tremendous respect for Bill Belichick. But, yeah, I don't agree with that the way they went about it. I'm no, keeping man. three quarterbacks. And if you can't find a third quarterback and, and say, I need this guy, understand you can't dress that guy on game day anyway. You have to make a certain amount inactive. So to me, that's roster building 101. If I if I have a ca catastrophic situation like happened to San Francisco, I want to have somebody who can take a snap from center. And here's where I'll I'll disagree with your use of the word catastrophic. Catastrophic to me is two guys get hurt in one game. That's not what happened to San Francisco. Garoppolo got hurt. Lance got hurt. They had all season to get a better backup to Brock Purdy. Now you're in where you got Brock Purdy as your starting quarterback, who was your third string of the start. So that's that, that's hurdles that had to be gotten over. But it's not catastrophic when you've had half a season to find a better backup quarterback than Josh Johnson, and Lynch never did it. So that's well, kind of on him. Yeah, uh, well, you're down to your four-string quarterback. But, but, but two things about that. Johnson also got hurt in the game, remember – uh, and they were thinking about having uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, take snaps, and he did, and they were able to put uh, uh, Brock back in the game to hand the football off, uh, basically nothing else. So he, he did get hurt as well. But the, the larger point is nobody learned from San Francisco's mistakes. Well, not – no, I shouldn't say nobody. There's a bunch of teams that are keeping three quarterbacks. But Bill Belichick, of all people, should learn from what happened in that game and take advantage of the, the rules as they stand right now. It's my only point. Just between you and I, 
I'd prefer to have Christian McCaffrey play quarterback than Josh Johnson. That's just me, but we we, we don't need to re-legislate. I don't necessarily the, disagree with that. But the uh, NFC Championship game, uh, uh, if it's Eagles and the 49ers again, we'll see if the 49ers befall the same fate. You can hope for that, Philadelphia fans. All right, uh, Heath McBone, I'm McDonald. We be done for the day. J-Mac, you got practice today, and then uh, we got uh, weekend action, so... You and I going to do this again tomorrow on a Friday, football Friday? Yeah, we're going to try. Let's uh, let's get it done, Jody. Let's get it done. The season is almost here. We appreciate everybody streaming in on Birds uh, 365. If you want to hit the like button on the way out the door, please do so. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.